Welcome to Conversations, where we interview the movers, shakers, thinkers, people who make a difference, people with opinions and something to say. This week on Conversations, we're talking to Caleb Miller, president of Friends of Ohio Barns, whose mission is to help preserve their rural family barns that dot the Ohio countryside. While their purpose in agriculture may have faded, their historical significance and place in family history has not. Mr. Miller talked to us about how his group, self-professed barn geeks, helps turn sentimentality into real preservation action. <laughs> all right. Um, can you hear me all right? I'm driving right now. So. Yeah. Is that okay for you, or do you want me to call you back when you're not driving? No, this, is, this is where I make all my calls. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I got you. Okay. So speaking of driving, um, we I live in Hillsboro, Ohio. It's the southern part of the state, um, kind of near the Appalachian region. And anytime I go out in the car, um, we just see so many barns and a lot of them are in a visible state of disrepair. Um, but I hadn't really given a thought to a statewide effort beyond an individual effort to preserve those barns until I found a reference to friends of Ohio barns. So I'd like to just start with that. Tell me a little bit more about friends of Ohio barns. Uh, it was started about 24 years ago. Um, I kind of came from a, a federal initiative, and uh, the the emphasis is really to, to highlight um, the construction, the craftsmanship, the usage, and uh, stewardship of of the structure. So that the the lifelong and generational um, maintenance or uh, uh, preservation of the the traditional structures. Um, Friends of Ohio Barnes is, it, it's kind of an odd, I would say, it, it, it's very loosely uh, uh, run in the sense that we're all volunteers and everybody in the group is a barn geek. I mean, I, I love that term because, you know, you have everybody from architects to farmers to, uh, to, to any number of in-between people who just love barns. And so it, uh, we do a conference every year in a different county to highlight the, the construction and, and, and the type of barns in each one of those counties, as well as uh, uh, informing the, the owners and as to how it was built and, and helping them work through uh, the, the, the stewardship process. Um, we also kind of have a, a, a resource for anybody in the state to uh, contact and say, hey, I, I have issues. I my barn or i'd like to you know i need something done with it uh to, to help preserve it how how can how how can i get that done so we have a database of, of people who have experience and the skill to to work on the historic structures okay what's the best way for someone that has an old family barn that maybe needs some rehab or preservation to get in touch with your organization um the best uh, to get in touch with the organization, the easiest way is to use the Friends of Ohio Barns at gmail.com. Um, that goes to the treasurer, Laura, and and she often disseminates to whom is best served in answering the question. Um, on the website, there is uh, a contractor's list. Um, and it's, it's not huge because there aren't a whole lot of people who do this, but, you know, roofers, uh masons, timber framers, um, and people who do all of that are on that list, which you can access on our website okay. at friendsofohiomarkets.org. So you said that not many people do this. Um, 
And are you speaking specifically of timber framing? Okay, so is there, uh, I, um, here in Highland County, we have a company called um, the Barn and Cabin Friend and the proprietor. Uh, oh, Raymond Friend. Yes, Raymond and his associate Joe um, yeah. are very prolific and involved in local barn preservation. I've talked to them extensively, and he talked about going to a special school in New Hampshire to learn timber framing, and Joe, his business partner, is, is getting his engineering degree. So how can someone who maybe wants to get some skills in this um, very specialized architectural technique do that? Um, here's what I tell people. Uh, timber, because timber framing is such a, a small and tight-knit um, craftsman, uh, craftsmanship, there, there aren't any egos. There's a lot of confidence, but not a lot of egos, in the sense that almost every timber framer is more than willing to share the knowledge they have because we need more. And so the, the best thing I can say is call a timber framer, meet a timber framer, and ask them to, to apprentice you, teach you. Um, yes, you can use the, heart, the Heartwood School that the Timber Frame Guild owns. Um, it, the, the instructors there are, are fantastic. Um, but at the same time, the best thing to do is just find a timber framer and Go learn from them. Um, they, they, every timber framer is more than willing to, sh to share the share the knowledge. That sounds fantastic. So, how did you? Were you a barn geek before you got involved with um, <laughs> with the organization? And if so, how how did that interest come about? Well, I I <laughs> I, I did. I grew up in Holmes County, and you know, grew up working in barns and all that. So I, I was, but I never, other than other than the mail pouch barn signs, you know, or paintings on the sides, I, I didn't think of them as much more than where we stacked hay. Um, it's straw. But uh, I, I left Holmes County right after high school and get, garnered a few uh, trades and certifications, and then I ended up back in the woodworking and traditional woodworking, and um, I taught myself how to, how to do that just by reading and doing. And I'm a I'm a bigger guy and strong, and I quickly gravitated to timber framing. And um, I I cut a, a frame by myself uh, that was very uh, detailed and 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 large. And by the time I was done with it, I realized that's what I wanted to do. And I figured if I could build this thing by myself, I can do anything. Which there's there's the confidence. Um, <laughs> and uh, and but I also knew that I. I could figure out with with the help of others how to do what I couldn't do, and so I jumped in head first and started timber frame company with my brother. And uh, we thought we would build a lot of new frames and this and that, and then we, within the first year, we realized there's this huge void of of people who can work on the timber frames um, and do the traditional joinery. And so it, when, when I got out of the army. I, I became a mechanic, and so I have a mechanical uh, uh, background. So understanding how things work together and how to repair them has all, has been in my, my my toolbox forever. And so it was just this very seamless uh, uh, transition from doing thinking about doing just new timber frames to repairing the existing and the older ones. And we've been booked a year out for, I don't know, six years now. 
So it sounds like if you can do something that not many people can do and do it well, that demand and word of mouth grows for your business. Is that right? Oh yeah. I, we, we, we have, our trucks are lettered and we wear our company t-shirts and that's all the advertising that we do. It's, it's word of mouth. It really is because farmers talk, you know, I, you do work on a really neat structure. A lot of people see it, and it's, it is absolutely a word of mouth, especially in, in good craftsmanship. Now, aside from the craftsmanship that you speak of, um, why have so many old family barns fallen into disrepair where they, where they need this help and they need a friend? Um, <laughs> this was the question you wrote that, that was too much for me to write. Um, so... My, my opinion um, from experience is that a lot of the, the barns were built prior to the Industrial Revolution, which brought in equipment and vehicles and all that kind of stuff. And so early barns, which are the most beautiful and, and wonderfully built, do not work in modern farming. Um, so... so very quickly in the lifespan of some of those barns, they, they, they were deemed irrelevant. Um, obviously, the, the design of barns evolved with the, the, the evolution of, of farming practices and, and equipment um, up to a point. So the, the, the later built timber frame barns, you know, can work in modern farming, but then you couple that with the the uh, yearly cycle of a farmer and how they have to operate, and so farmers don't often have a lot of time to to make good solid repairs that are needed on any structure, regardless of how well or how old they are. There's always stewardship maintenance that has to be done, and so I, I call it a fun. Oftentimes, farmers did functional repairs, and that was hey, we have. You know, 50 acres of hay to make, something's wrong, let's fix it real quick, and that way we can keep going with it. Um, so that those types of functional repairs often did do more harm than good in the long run. So let's add one more factor in, and that is the loss of the skill of, one, timber framing, and two, traditional masonry, because the, most of the barns, the historic barns in, in the area, were built with stone foundations, whether it's sandstone or granite, and they were they uh, had lime mortar as the concrete. Well, with the Industrial Revolution, timber framing became extinct, and the use of lime mortar became extinct because of the availability of Portland cement. Well, Portland cement does not work with natural stone or wood, creating a lot more issues. So you, you, you have these, these many-faceted uh, uh, parts that all culminate into the middle of the 20th century when all these functional repairs suddenly have created enough uh, damage that it costs more to repair a structure than it does to fix it or build a new one. Um, and that's, that's one of the biggest reasons. Now, what's happened in the last 20 years or so is, is people have, who who grew up in some of these barns and, and have inherited them, they, 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 they have this emotional attachment or the respect yes. of the history, okay? And, and more, more often than not, they're not using that barn for 
agriculture anymore, but they are willing uh, to to put what it takes into the structure to keep it alive for the next or the subsequent generations. And so that's 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 been a great thing for the barns of the Midwest and, and, and anywhere really is is that emotional attachment. You know, it's there's the ebb and flow and everything. So so the, the further you go from that historic uh, and the traditional practices, ultimately people start to return back to it, you know, the simplicity of things. And that's where a lot of these barns are now getting repaired or repurposed in order to, to keep them viable and, and alive. The outside looks really rough and it very well might emulate what's inside of it, but a lot of times it doesn't. It's it, the, the, the structure is still quite good, but the roof and the siding, obviously that neglect will will eventually affect the frame inside of it. Yeah. But but uh, you know we I, one of the things I tell people whose barns I look at or ask me advice like the number one killer of barns is water, water, water. Mm-hmm. And so if if you if you can't afford to do something with your barn, but you but but you want to keep it. You put gutters on it, and you get the water away, and and you make sure there's no gaping holes in your roof. So if you can keep the water out of your barn, you are you are instantly keeping it viable, or or able to in some day do a repair or 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 something along those lines. Is it true that the wood that was used to construct the old barns is superior to modern building materials that we're used today? <laughs> it is absolutely true. Um, up to a point, um, the the earliest barns, uh, you know, were built with virgin growth timbers. So uh, the the virgin growth forest, other than little pockets here and there, are all gone. Um, and so the, what what makes them unique is that before a tree could grow in diameter, it had to grow in height to break it break it through the canopy. Uh, and so the canopy in the virgin growth forest was so high that sometimes a tree was a hundred years old and still only six, six, seven inches in diameter before it reached that. And once it reaches the canopy, then it can grow in diameter, um, giving it the size. But what, but that year after year of ring growth that happens every year at a tree, it, it created such a tightly packed, dense piece of wood that the structural capabilities of that wood is unmatched by anything today. And so one of one of the the, the, the points of stewardship of these of these historic barns is that, you know, the material that they are built with is no longer exists other than in those barns. They are the only example of of a virgin growth forest like I said, other than, you know, a couple acre pocket here or here that, that, that somebody has been able to keep timber uh, loggers out of. So absolutely, it is superior desire. Does, does Friends of Ohio Barns aggregate timber framers and other barn enthusiasts from all over the state, or is it regional? Well, there's only a, hand, a, a handful of timber framers in the state. Um, and of, of them, I... Most of them are a part of the organization, yes. Um, it, but but the majority of people in the organization are not timber framers. I mean, there's, I said, there's you know, two companies down southwest Ohio, couple companies in northeast Ohio, and one or two kind of one man just small shops, and that's it. So even though you guys are all 
dispersed all over the state, you still managed to all find each other and and you know, get together for this common interest. That's pretty oh, cool. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, because you can't just go down the road and find your, you know, your, your cohort. It's, you know, I talked to Raymond on the phone, Mike Wangler, who's down in Oxford, you know, there's, it's, we have to work together and talk to each other because we are our only resource. And so when we get together, it's even better. <laughs> now, are there any um, similarities or differences um, when it comes to barns and compared to um, residential structures or commercial structures as far as a National Register of Historic Places or any kind of federal assistance for um, barn preservation? There, there, there is a tax uh, a rebate program that exists, not specifically for barns, but it, it falls under the same as as uh, as houses or other structures. Um, I'll be honest, I have only met one person who has gone through that whole process um, for a barn. Uh, it, it, so, unfortunately, the, the answer is really, you're on your own. So, um, um, Friends of Ohio Barns gives out one to two grants of $2,500 a piece each year. Um, but other than that, there's really no other help. So it may be that somebody could get, you know, some help for their house, but not for the barn on the same property. Is that right? That is true. Um, I, I cannot speak to what is available for houses because I don't really ever delve into that. But if, if you're more than likely, the answer is yes. So it sounds that makes the work that you're all doing even more important. Right. But, but it, not so much us, but the people who are willing to, to pay to have the work done. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's, 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 that's where the, the, the merit lies is, is, I mean, yes, we, we're specialized, but the people who are, who are willing to pay out of pocket for this, for whatever reason, they're the heroes there. Yeah. So it's important for people that have a, maybe a family uh, barn that may no longer be used for the original function, but has an important place in their family's history that is willing to take the time and money to make sure that it's preserved. Yeah. Yeah. What about, what about when those circumstances don't exist and there's a barn that's been neglected and there's no one willing to step forward and help out? Are there any community programs for something like that? No, they really are. Um, I, well, let me rephrase that. Small communities come together for a lot of reasons without any hoorah or or publication. So there very easily could be that assistance in individual communities, but anything official, no. Now, are there any people, I think um, um, the secretary of the organization was telling me that um, Malabar Farm had a barn that had burnt down and the um, the people that oversaw yeah. that wanted it rebuilt in the same fashion that it was originally built in. Yes, yes. So does anybody else ever want to construct a historically accurate barn from scratch? <laughs> I'm actually doing it right now. Are you? <laughs> yeah, um, here in this part of the state last June, we got hit with uh, some straight line winds Two days, two huge gusts of it, and then about a week later, the same path got hit with a tornado, and so there was a handful of barns that got just shredded. Um, 
one of them, the owners had full coverage insurance on it. And the barn was built in the 1880s, maybe, maybe 1900. Um, and so they, they said, I want, what I, I, I want a replica of what was here. Um, and so what we did is actually take what was there and improve it in the sense of making it more of an 1860s replica. Um, so just a, a, a slightly uh, a stronger design because of the timbers we have available. And we are getting ready to raise it next week. Wow, that's awesome. Well, it is. Thank it really you. is. It, is there anything that I haven't asked that's important to know about barn geekdom timber framing, um, getting involved in barn preservation, any of that? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I always think when I was a kid, I remember there was a, a, a doctor in town who was a Mason and, uh, and he had a bumper sticker on his car that said, to be one, ask one. And, and that bumper sticker always stuck out to me because it, it, it was aloof in the sense that, you know, what, what is a Mason or what's a Masonic temple? I have no idea. But to be one, ask one. That, and so I, I really like that little phrase in regards to timber framing and barn because if you find, find someone who knows or is involved in it, ask one. And, and they, they will do whatever it takes to help you, inform you, or, or, or guide you in the right direction. Well, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to ask you so you could inform me. And I've learned a lot about barns. I think they're... <laughs> They are an integral part of driving through Ohio. I don't know what a drive in the country would be like without seeing them, even if you don't have one personally. And I grew up with one. I grew up with one too. And although we didn't have a working farm at that time, it was a place to sit and just contemplate life. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, build stacks of hay. <laughs> yep, yep. I spent I spent many a summer covered in in hay chaff and sweating in the top of a barn you know it's just it's it's many of us just have that connection yeah. one way or the other to them and whether we realize it then or you know 20 30 years later it it they always hold a place yeah you know? and something in our memories that needs to be preserved and not just be yep. in our memories so thank you so much for talking to me I, I really i love what you guys are doing i'm so glad i was able to speak to you this afternoon yeah. and have a great rest of the evening absolutely Today on Conversations, we got to hear about the process of preserving Ohio's historical barns from one of the small group of craftspeople keeping the time-tested art of timber framing alive and the importance of responsible family stewardship of these architectural legacies in our state. Join us next time.